Hello, everyone. Welcome to Philly Sports Now, a Philly fan podcast. Uh, my name is Zach, and I am here with the whole gang today, Nick, Luke, and Andrew. And we are here to talk, as always, about our Philadelphia sports. Uh, quite a bit happening in all sports, even though we had one season end, definitely, uh, before our podcast last weekend. And uh, we actually saw a turn of events in another season that was going very poorly. Um, maybe not for the whole season, but just currently. Uh, but yeah, so leading off the back, let's talk about Sixers. We had the infamous Brett Brown officially fired on, uh, I'm going to butcher this. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Well, was he was Monday. fired. <laughs> was uh, Brett Brown was fired and they are already throwing around, uh, the top prospects on who's going to replace him. I so I know among the coaches. top prospects is Villanova's Jay Wright, as well as the uh, step over our, uh, from Iverson's Tyron Liu. Um, and I know they were also looking to hire with in-house. I, I believe it was one of the assistant coaches. Again, these are just the top rumors. Um, but basically, guys, what do we think about Brett Brown being fired as well as prospects? So why don't we go around and you'd say, hey, let's start with Nick since he was the one that was wrong and said Brett Brown wasn't going to get fired. <laughs> and yes. uh, Nick, tell us your thoughts on that. And then if you could pick one person to as your head coach, who is it going to be? Okay, so let's start with I did say Brett Brown was not going to get fired. Uh, I take it the last like five minutes of the last that, episode. Hey, hey, you know I thought that it would be possible that they could come up with excuses to to keep him in. Um, you know, one being Ben Simmons was hurt, so he wasn't playing in the series, which I do think is a huge factor. That you know, had he been in there, it would have been a little different. I don't think we would have won, but I think it would have been a little different. Um, and but 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 uh, go, going off of the the firing, I think it was inevitable. But I do think that he was is just being a scapegoat for larger problems in the Sixers organization. So I think I don't think this team with a new coach is going to be in the finals next year. I think they need to structurally, you know, completely redesign this team. I, except for obviously Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Outside of this, you can wipe the slate of everybody and like start looking for for new players. Or you know, obviously you got Harris and, and you know I, that's really the only person I would let. I would love to stick around with Joel Embiid and uh, and Simmons because outside of that, I think that. You know, there's there's some good young guys, but they're young, and you don't know what they're going to be. Shake Milton, and uh, you, you know they're they're good for now, but I don't know how sustainable they're going to be in their careers, and if they're going to be big time players. I just think uh, this team's got a lot of issues moving forward, and I don't believe a new coach is going to fix that at all. Uh, if it was up to me, I would go after Jay Wright and try to get him, you know, to coach the Sixers. I don't see it happening. I don't see him leaving Nova, but that would definitely be my number one pick for a new coach to come in. All right. Why don't we real quick, since Nick made his, his pick there, uh, what do we all think about Jay Wright? Well, like a yes or no. And how likely do you think it's going to be? Uh, let's go, Andrew. Uh, I mean, I would love for it to, to try out. I mean, obviously when you bring in a, a college coach, there's no for certain, uh, whether it's going to work out or not. I mean, we see coaches from college succeed. We see them fail. I mean, some games, some coaches just don't have the transition with their game. 
into the NBA level just because it's so different. Um, I, I think it'd be a great or a good hire. It'd be a nice, good chance there. I think it's more unlikely than likely for it to happen. I don't think Wright has any desire to leave Villanova. I mean, he's put together basically a dynasty there. Uh, they'll probably be the number. They'll be a top two, three ranked team coming into the season with a great chance to win another title this year. Uh, so I just there's a lot more positives to stay with Villanova right now than go to. I mean, let's face it, right now a dysfunctional front office in the Sixers. Um, so there's really no to me. I mean, outside of trying to bring back a championship for for uh, the city he grew up in, um, I just don't think if you, if you're looking strictly job wise, there's not many benefits to taking over the Sixers rather than staying at Nova. Um, his his wife graduated from there. He's been there for a while. He's already turned down a ton of money to leave Nova uh, a couple years ago. UCLA offered him uh, four and a half million more than what he was making at Nova. And uh, he declined that to stay at Nova. So I really don't see um, Jay Wright leaving. Okay, uh, Luke, I actually had a question to follow up with you. Uh, or Sorry, I have something prepared for you. But before we get on to Luke, uh, Andrew, another point that you actually specifically made. So we know like Jay Wright's a homeboy, right? Like for Philadelphia, and he does love the Sixers, right? So the the question is, do, I guess, how much of an impact do you think it seriously has on his on weighing his options on a winning at that highest level and then b winning at that highest level for your home city? And now, like, do you think that's going to basically even make him consider the option, even though? We, uh, even though I think we all kind of agree it's more than likely not going to happen, but do you think that even like weighs in on his mind, or do you think he's just not even thinking about this? Honestly, at this point, I don't think he's even going to consider it. I really don't. Um, he, he, he's Nick, you mentioned he's 58 years old, and you say that's the reason for him to go to the NBA. I think the opposite, he's 58, who knows how much longer he will coach. I mean, he's already done a great job there, he's already brought in money. Uh, he's still in his hometown. To me, I, I think he's he, he would rather just stay at Nova for a couple more years. And then, when, I mean, I don't remember how much longer his contract is, but once maybe in five years, just kind of retire or, or who knows. Um, I think uh, it's a tough situation. I think if he was to leave to go to the NBA, the Sixers is the only team he'd consider. That way he can keep the house he's in, stay where he's at, and be his hometown. So I wanted to jump in and just – you know, take talk real quick about what you said. Luke, I know sure. you're next, so I, I don't want to talk too long. But, but my one thing is, Andrew, I I disagree with you because he's 58 years old. He's done everything he can do at Villanova. He's, you know, he's won twice. national. He's a national champion two times. He's established a, a lifelong legacy there. He, and he's, like I said, he's 58 years old. He's coming to the end, what I think will be the end of his coaching career. If I was him, I'd be retiring at 60, but he'll probably retire at 65, maybe 70. And I think he has to ask himself, what is he, you know, what's he looking to gain? Does he want to just coast the rest of his coaching career at Villanova doing the same thing year after year out? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, a lot of real good coaches have done that. But, but if he's looking for something more and he wants to go and, establish himself at the next level i see that as a very interesting and believable progression from the college level to the pros especially when he's 
he's already accomplished everything he can accomplish in college. A perfect example to compare him to would be um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Who's the coach of the Seahawks? Uh, Pete Carroll. Yes, he went to he 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 basically you know, and even a better example would be uh, Jimmy Johnson from the from the he Jimmy Johnson was the coach of the Miami Hurricanes. He absolutely established himself probably as the best coach in college football. He was making, you know, NCAA runs year after year with the Hurricanes. He could have kept doing that for the next 30 years, but instead he left to go coach the Dallas Cowboys, which, you know, is probably the number one team you're going to leave college to coach for. And then he ended up winning national, well, national championships. He ended up winning Super Bowls with the Cowboys. I see that as the exact same situation, to be honest, because I don't know that, you know, uh, Jimmy Johnson would have left the – NCAA for any football team, but he, the Cowboys called him. He's like, yeah, I'm leaving for the Cowboys. I think that's a similar situation here. Jay Wright wouldn't leave for anybody, but uh, Philly's his team. So why, I think it would make sense that he would want to leave. So Andrew, uh, before we go on to Luke again, one more last question and kind of uh, as quickly as you can. Uh, if you could pick anyone to be the coach, who are you going to pick? I'm down to my two guys, Mike D'Antoni and Bill Self. So, first off, Mike D'Antoni's been in the NBA for a while. He's with the Houston Rockets right now. I like him potentially because he'd come back to Philadelphia. He coached Simmons and Embiid a couple years ago under Brett Brown, and some believed he was the one really coaching this team, uh, really leading the offense more than actually Brown was at the time. Uh, And that was two years ago, actually, when Simmons and Embiid were at the highest of their level together. Um, statistically wise that they had their best seasons together. So I think uh, this would be a, a good comeback opportunity for Mike D'Antoni. He's uh, fully offensive minded. He's worked with some greats, uh, latest James Harden and Russell Westbrook got that duo together, having a great year that um, that uh, people didn't believe that duo would work. He has them working well together right now. Again, he knows Simmons and Embiid already, so he'd come back here. His contract's up in Houston at the end of the season. That's why he'd be available so uh, I think that one's a little re- is realistic. My uh, really stretch out reach would be Bill Self out of Kansas. Um, he got the he get he got the coach Embiid already, so he knows Embiid's system. Uh, it's believed Kansas is going to come down with some pretty harsh sanctions in these next coming uh, months or so. So he's going to be probably banned from the March Madness postseason and stuff. Um, and the reason why I'd be okay with it is because it was Good. Recru- he, he it sounds was like a stand up of- guy. I mean, it's it's got nothing to affect the NBA. Uh, it was recruiting issues, so it wouldn't really worry me at all going into the NBA. So I think him already coaching Embiid, he's already coached similar systems with having that kind of offense at Kansas, and he's been very successful at Kansas. So I, I don't I don't think it's realistic. That's just my unrealistic one. Um, I've never heard a rumor about it. I just I would definitely reach out to Bill Self if I was a GM. Putting it out there. Um, all right, so Luke, moving on to you, buddy. So Luke wasn't here for our last episode, um, and while I don't usually like to backpedal here, we kind of, Nick kind of briefly talked about it when he spoke earlier, how uh, we are, keep throwing around that the Sixers are kind of in a failing state, right? That things are being shaken up because, uh, again, they, they, the Sixers have failed, right? Uh, and something that came up last episode was kind of a consensus between Nick and I that the process was a failure. Uh, Luke, I want to know what your thoughts are on whether or not you agree with that statement and how you see the Sixers moving forward. Uh, I think you would have to say the process is a failure. 
I mean, it's now seven years and we haven't made it to the conference finals yet. Uh, moving, we had to get rid of our coach. Um, we have a now new GM from when the process started. Uh, and we really only have two players from when the process actually started or when the process, uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Um, we have a, a just uh, moving forward, you need to just say the process of failure. I mean, to say it didn't fail, I, I just don't get the argument, especially since Elton Brand came out and stated that the process was a failure. So, I mean, I feel like when the GM states it, then that's just a fact. And then also, I mean, I just if you can't reach it to the conference finals and you got swept to your rival this year, you lost 4-1 to them two years ago. I mean, the biggest, the furthest we went was last year, and it was just the second round. Like, I know we lost in the most drama form possible, but it was still the second round. And I which, just, which we made in 2012 when we decided to blow it up. Just saying. Because Derrick Rose and uh, Derrick Rose, the best player in the game at the time, MVP season, uh, did not play that series. But we still made it the second round. Just like we did last year. You can't, far you can't say you can't say that team from twenty twelve though. Like that team was going nowhere. That that team was filled with, with young guys that are in today's mm. league still and are stars in today's league, along with Igadala, who's going to the Hall of Fame. Okay. Like I said last podcast, you could have built around Igadala, Drew Holiday. And I'm blanking on the third guy I mentioned last time. No, is it I, is it there? If I say the process is a failure, but I don't think I regret the process. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's actually Here's, a very fair thing that I I actually don't think anyone has said that, Luke. I think that's a fair that is an point. interesting take. Good I take. I actually Good. really respect that uh that I don't know viewpoint because because you're saying like it was team. something you you stood by and you're standing by that you stood by it but no you you're manning up and you agree it was a failure now one last thing i want to say we're already over time with the sixers but i'm gonna just one last question for everyone to talk about real quick do you trust elton brand to move forward with this team since he is clearly still involved especially now with figuring out who the head coach will be uh, i do I, I do trust elton brand i mean because I mean, what he's done so far is, uh, it's not his fault. I mean, we didn't know Al Horford was just not going to be the Al Horford from his past. He took a significant difference. Uh, he just hasn't been the same. You bring in Josh Richardson. I mean, the only thing, now this is, I would say, his make or break year because obviously we need to make changes because he already started off by firing Brett Brown, which he needed to do. Brett Brown has had seven years here and he had were five with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and just didn't do enough with them. Um, and then, uh, so this year, I think we need to see him trying to ship Al Horford out, maybe Horford. I know me and Andrew have talked, Horford, Matisse, and maybe a second-round pick or something and try and get Buddy healed. You're going to need to go out and get a, a star sh- or a big-time shooter. Um, so I, I think this is his last year. I don't even want to say last year, but I think this is probably one of his his make. I would say this is just his make or break year. Luke would love the Buddy Hield move. That would be amazing. I would, I would love, love that. I would love Buddy Hield. I he don't see it happening, perfect. but I would love it. He wants out of Sacramento. I mean, That's a start. He also liked a comment on a Sixers fan page saying, "Trust the process, uh, bring Buddy here." 
right. liked it. I'm just saying, you like the All comment. Right, Zach, moving on, moving on. So moving on to the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, I can't believe we're about to look at this the way we are. So last episode, we were on a five-game losing streak, in which case we talked about how every single game the Phillies lost after giving up a lead. And starting with the game that was that night, Sunday night, August 23rd, that night, the Phillies won the first game in a five-game winning streak they are currently on. And now we have what is the next game coming up tonight. Obviously, this episode is going to get posted on Monday. But after we record, will be the game against the Braves, uh, last game in the series. Um, guys, like complete change of pace. Like, what's happening here with the Phillies? Um, Andrew, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I, I'll, I'll jump in first here. Uh, so I think the biggest thing is that the bullpen's playing very well. I mean, I saw a stat, uh, I think it was this morning, the Phillies bullpen ERA during uh, this five-game win streak. I think Andrew, correct if I'm wrong, is like 2.2? 2. 2. Uh, yeah, 2. Point, yeah, it was 2.2. 2.2? Yeah, 2.2. I think when we were, I think before this five-game win streak, I believe the, the ERA of the bullpen was like 8.5. So... Mm-hmm. Talk about a difference. I mean, I that's gonna. That's how that we were saying it last week. Like this off the Andrew and I were going. We're saying it last week. This is good offense. Like this Phillies lineup is is good. I like Alec Bohm and like how he's come up now and he's look. He looks good. He, I you know he, I'm not gonna say he's a stud in the league yet, but he he he's he looks like he he can be a good player, right? So I like where he is at. JT is obviously playing, hitting uh, cleanup, and he's doing a great job. You got Bryce Harper, who reg- actually has probably regressed during this five-game history. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Andrew. I mean, like he's regressed a, a, a bit to me. I think his average has dropped something like forty points. So, yes. you know, I, I'm not concerned by it because even within that regression, like the other day, he was still he hit a sack fly and got the RBI. So, I I, I still think he's being extremely productive. It, he's still obviously all-star MVP candidate this year, so I, I I think in that aspect Bryce Harper's playing, you know, great. I think Reese Hoskins has had a Reese Hoskins come alive this week, so he's been playing great. Uh, and 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 you know when this team when the hitters start clicking and the bullpen's working, I think we're just as good as anyone else, except for probably the Dodgers. No, I agree with you. Um, this team is. And we mentioned it. This team will go as far as the bullpen lets them go. This team is going to put up five to seven games a, a game. Obviously, you'll have one or two that fall out and you don't put those numbers up because no one's perfect. But the, the issue is before this win streak is you were having games where you were losing 11 to 8, 10, 9. What, I mean, whatever. You can just go on about it. And um, unfortunately, you still have to make moves before uh, the deadline tomorrow. Because uh, this bullpen is not perfect yet. They they are starting to slowly come together. We'll see how they continue to perform. Uh, but th- that's the biggest thing with this team. Uh, the starters are, are pitching well. I am a, a little bit of me is a little worried. I mean, the stars are overperforming right now. So I'm a little, a little worried about some of them maybe uh, going through a couple rough patches. But I think overall, they're, they're pitching really well. The starters are, are going to keep you in games. And that's all they really can do um, for the most part. It's going to continue to progress from here, I think. Joe Girardi's done after struggling with this team uh, to start his tenure here. He's turned it around, held a big, big uh, players closed door meeting after the fifth straight loss uh, last Saturday. Zach clearly has gotten into him this week. 
um, as they go on this five-game win streak. And that's and I'm interested to see what happens tonight in these next couple of games because time in and time out, the Phillies do get to this 500 mark where they're 14 and or now they're 14 and 14, but they never find a way. It seems like they get the 500 and they never can get over that 500 number. And that's when you see them. They hit that spot, and then for whatever reason, they drop off a little bit, and they kind of go back and win five, and then they lose four or five. So hopefully you can see a little consistency here because that's what they got to continue to do is if you do lose one to end that streak, like you got to bounce back and get back out there rather than losing four or five in a row again. I think that's been one of the biggest issues. There hasn't been much consistency in that front, and that's because of the bullpen and the defense, which the defense has looked a little better as of late too. So I think that's important. So, Andrew, you actually mentioned one of my other points that I want to get into in a minute, um, which is the trade deadline. But we're going to hold off on that for a second um, because, Luke, again, with him here this week, I want to get just your general overall thoughts on what's going on with the Phillies. Uh, I mean, Andrew and Nick kind of said it all, but basically, I would, I would agree with most is Andrew saying that the bullpen, I mean, this bullpen will limit us. And depending on how far we go, the bullpen will just – I mean, it's going to, by the end, I just, this bullpen scares me for the playoffs. And that's why this trade deadline, I think we need to definitely make moves. Um, the offense will put up probably a good four or five runs a game, but the bullpen will probably give up three to four. So then we need the starters to keep what they're doing. Um, I also, I personally loved what Tommy Hunter said. I what was that Tuesday or Wednesday about him defending the bullpen and him coming out and basically made me think the bullpen's all fired up and they want to prove the fans wrong. They know they're playing, or they know they were pitching bad, at least in that five-game stretch, obviously. And I just think, I mean, I'm not saying I want to keep the bullpen, though, but I just think that if the bullpen's all fired up and they're all hyped, then, I mean, obviously no, it's, it's working. Yeah. Obviously it's working because now we're on a five-game win streak. And I believe he made the comments on the 26th, though. I mean, ever since he made those comments, this win streak's been happening. So There you go. Um, and then hashtag sign JT, and that's all I got. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I I I didn't want to talk about that, but do, do, I, we we got some time before. All right, so trade deadline is something that was brought up. So let's get into that, Andrew. Any big moves that you uh, exp- anticipate? I say let's go with anticipate, um, because obviously there's plenty to desire. But what do you anticipate happening? I do not think the Phillies are done. Um, every reason and why is when's the deadline again? The deadline's uh, it ends at four Eastern uh, tomorrow or Monday. So when this release this afternoon, later this afternoon at four Eastern time is when the deadline will end. Um, and here's the thing: Tommy Hunter can make fun of the fans or not make fun of the fans, but he can say what he wants. But he failed to mention how a lot of the reason why the bullpen is performing better is because. The guys that were struggling were demoted and are now off the team, the, the main guys that were struggling, after Klentak made a trade and got three relievers last week. So that's definitely helped the bullpen improve. Uh, so I think that's one of the big reasons you did see this little turnaround here so far from the bullpen. However, I do not think Klentak's done. I think Klentak knows he is fighting for his job right now. After Girardi called him out, after the double loss against the Blue Jays uh, last Thursday, Um before this losing streak started, and you saw the following days when Klentak made the trade for the three relievers. I don't think he's done. I think uh, I think you'll see another another reliever brought in here by that 4 p.m. deadline, and a either a utility player or a solid center fielder um, really helped defensively because that's an area the Phillies have lacked. Uh, Phillies made a very interesting move today by calling somebody up to uh, their Lehigh Valley team and Mickey Moniak that almost 
tells you that someone could be on the way out um, to fill that spot. Uh, I'd look out for Adam Hazley to possibly get moved uh, in these next coming days, a Scott Kingery to maybe possibly get moved. So I think um, there's a lot of a lot of different options here. Klentak's fighting for his job. I don't think he's done. He knows that this team needs more. I don't obviously none of the big names would get moved, but a, a lower guy and Adam Hazley or some of the prospects definitely are, are names to look out for in these next coming hours, because uh, I do believe another move will be made. Look out for the Brewers. They have a lot of players on that team that could help the Phillies out. So Phillies Brewers could be a potential uh, trade possibility. Speaking uh, of speaking of the deadline, real quick, uh, did you guys hear? Did you hear that uh, Mitch Moreland went to the Padres today, Andrew? Did you hear? Yeah, that? it's Padres are Padres have made about three or four moves today. They're, uh, I, I love that move for Mitch Moreland. Um, yeah, Padres. I, I I am so shocked by the Padres, but they're making moves and and they're going to be contending this year. It's wild. I can't believe it. They were no, horrible yeah. last year. They were terrible. Hey, and. They weren't even like, oh, it was promising. They were awful. <laughs> and obviously, Fernando Tatis, one of the greatest young guys in the game, is playing great. But uh, a lot of it, too, is Manny Machado looks back to uh, what he used to be. I mean, last year, after signing that contract, he was terrible for that team. And obviously, everyone was raving about how we made the right move in Harper over Machado. And obviously, we still have. But Machado's come back a little bit and has helped spark that team. Unfortunately... The Padres did trade for the closer I wanted the Phillies to trade for, um, and Trevor Rosenthal. They also did that today as well. So Padres are active. They're a very good team, and they did they they've already made a lot of moves. They're going to be the legit contenders, I think, uh, going forward as well. So they're they're a team to look out for for a while. Uh, one other thing I wanted to just briefly mention, um, just my own personal message to the Washington Nationals Twitter page that they need to get themselves under some control there. Having the uh, I, I, setting yeah. off our winning streak, basically. Yeah, right? we, we can like, thank him. We can thank him for it. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how upset I was by that. And I, I know, I, I know. Nick I don't, I don't get upset over social media too much because I know it's a bunch of crap. But like, man, that got under my skin so bad. For starters, the first stat on the graphic is that they were one win above 500 one. against us in their career. <laughs> so I'm like, like, are you like what are you proving? Like, like what is and the quote? Is I love it's not that hard to beat Philadelphia. It's like you have one overall in the history of the game win. Like clearly, it's a little difficult. Besides the fact, the last six years the Phillies have been. I mean, I, I, I mean, they they've been lo- like they were a losing team. Like they weren't hard to beat at all. We had the worst record in the MLB twice. So I don't, it's not like. And they called out like Philadelphians were saying how hard of a team we were to I beat. I was like, nobody in Philadelphia was saying the Phillies were a hard team to beat. Everybody's been down on the Phillies for the last four or five years, like until the last year or two. Like that's that it's been pretty down. So I, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, but no, you're right. That's that, we can thank them for this this uh, start of the win streak. Yeah, could not believe the national uh, Twitter person had just the the rambunctious attitude enough to to try and make that claim. So. Good for them, I well, guess. Before you out, before you out the Twitter person, that is a group decision, definitely. That is not a one person's decision. Oh, you think? Speak. See, I I took it as it was from just working like the in social their, media. It it's never the social. They have they they are on a board with a lot of people. It's not one person's decision. Mm-hmm. On, they had to make the graphic designer had to make the graphic, so it had to have gotten approved. It had to have gone. Through, I mean, they thought that was a good idea. They definitely well, did. Well, Phillies took that down. Phillies, Phillies I, I did think the perfect thing and silenced them. The Nationals yeah, we got them are, again this week, so let's do it you, again. You know, the Nationals are 
feeling themselves because they won uh, the World Series last year. And, you know, they should. They, they've got that right. But, you know, if you can't back it up, it's going to come back to haunt you pretty quickly. And that graphic is already outdated now because the Phillies are, what, two games ahead of them now? <laughs> the, I didn't even think of that. The, I didn't even think of that. Like, so, so, I mean, that graphic is... And I love the comments. People were going off back and... First of all, I don't know if you read the comments, but... They were all Phillies fans, so there was like barely any Nationals fans uh, in the comments. But the Phillies fans were like, "Andrew, saying what you said, like we haven't said this. We, <laughs> no one's bragging about the Phillies right now." And then there were people. The best comments though were, "Okay, so it's a 500 record. When the Phillies were won the World Series in 08 and won the division five times in a row, we were we were amazing. We were great." Since then, the Phillies have stunk, and the Nationals have been winning the division, and they've been great. So, yeah, it makes sense that it's a 500 record, <laughs> and we, we, you know, are evenly matched over the years. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next. Uh, Got to hit the real, Philadelphia real, Eagles up. Real quick, Zach, I wanted to bring up one final thing. Um, I know I know, we're under the clock here. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> but I just wanted to see people's reaction. I don't know if you guys saw, I posted on the Philly Sports Now Twitter page. That's at Philly underscore Sports Now without the O. And uh, I posted on the page this morning. I saw an interesting uh, 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 thing on, uh, on the news. And it said, Philly's announced uh, relief pitcher David Robertson's season is officially over due to another setback from his injury. The Phillies signed Robertson for two seasons for $23 million and got six and two-thirds innings out of him. Yeah, that is, that is, that is, I mean, he was supposed to be the guy in the bullpen, you know? And and two years, $23 million later, nothing. I mean, I, I'm, not blame, I'm, not, I'm not upset at him. I'm just upset at the situation. Like, that was just an unfortunate situation because he would have been... And I think that's something that I even forget about, that Klintak make. Like, that was a good sign and something that should have been a really good move and helped this bullpen for these past two seasons. And I always forget that it even happened, but he's not here to play, so it's it's hard to judge that move. Do you think something like that affects signing JT? No. I mean, he had to, he had to, I mean, if we didn't have to spend that money, maybe we would have signed JT by now. Just throwing it out there. I, I would I would say no because the contract's up after this year, so you get all the money back, uh, or not back, but you get the money there and you have it to spend. But no, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's Mike Adams two point Yeah. So I just want to throw it out. There, but no, yeah, it's a, a definitely an interesting point, and glad we brought it up. Um, all right, but uh, so moving on to the Eagles, let's. I, I mean, again, what do, so it was three weeks last week, so that means two weeks now until football. And unfortunately, uh, we have nothing but injuries to talk about. And the season has yet to start. There's no preseason. And we have nothing but injuries. We have nothing but injuries. I, when I got the notification uh, on the score app that Wentz was hurt, and I think it said, like, minor whatever. Like, I didn't even – I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we got – like, you know what? Like, he's already hurt. Are you – like – like how how can we how can we start the season off that badly? But okay, so on top of that, uh, and then the big thing I think that we can all agree on uh, is Andre Dillard, right, out for the season, and now we have to figure out uh, is Jason Peters our guy, and if we are using him again, uh, are we apparently re-signing him for more money than he's already made because 
that's apparently his big issue. So I, I guess my <laughs> the wins thing I I'm I guess kind of ignoring, but if you want to talk about that, feel free to. My thing is are we really still okay with Jason Peters like doing this? Like is this okay? Like I feel like I I tried to get a feel for this in the group the other day, and I don't know if I just didn't get any responses or what, but like I how many times has Jason Peters been hurt? How many times do we talk about this? And how many games can Jason Peters play? Like, are we really? He's injured right now. He's uh, like, are we? Are we seriously just like, yes, Jason Peters is our guy. Resign him. Like, I, 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 I can't, man. Like, this is the one that I'm like, oh, really? You're de- you're desperate to have him at this point. Like, he wasn't going to be back, and then Brandon Brooks got hurt. Like, that's yeah, why we waited but, so long. But, so but like. It wasn't the plan. It just but, but, the but he doesn't plan. deserve more money. Correct. I think that is the absolute most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You signed a contract, and now another player got injured, and you're stepping up to the next role. You already signed the contract. It's not like it's it's not like the contract said you, you will not be playing left tackle. So wait. So Nick Foles value isn't going up. Carson. He's not cutting Nick, someone off. Nick Foles had to step in for Carson Wentz. Could you imagine if he was just like? In game 14 of the season in the Super Bowl year, he was just like, listen, if I'm going to be the starting quarterback on this team, I'm going to need at least $5 million extra dollars. At least. All right? And that's not even going to include the incentives that I already get. So so I could you imagine if someone like that say? And the fact that like other people are backing the Peters thing, on, I saw on social media like Trey Thomas and other, and other guys backing it. I don't get it. I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like me going to my boss just out of no, just, you know, oh, yeah, uh, hey, you know, I know that I've already agreed to this contract for the year, but, yeah, I need more money right now. It's like, it's, it's like a blackmailing threat, right? Like, because it's like, because if you put it into a layman, in common man terms, imagine, like, what am I going to say? I'm going to walk? Right, no. exactly. It's like it's like if your boss gave you a project and you're you're like, "Well, I'll do this if I get a raise." Like Yeah. Like you as an employee can fight for a raise. That's fine. You're allowed to do that. But but to be like, "I'm not going to do my job unless I get a raise." That's like, "Okay, then you're fired." Jason Peters just because he thinks he's the the whole thing was he was going to walk cuz he wasn't getting enough money. And then guess what? No one picked him up. Exactly. That's the other part of it. Exactly. Um, I'll let you, uh, Andrew, Luke, you guys can jump in because I can keep going. <laughs> I, I mean, the reason why Trey Thomas and them are defending, I mean, they've been there. They know they're going to defend for the player. They're not going to come out and call them out. Um, I mean, the players are always going to stick together for the majority of the time. So uh, that's my first point on that is I wouldn't expect Trey Thomas or any of those guys to call and out I, on it. I, I want to say um, I love Trey Thomas. I don't want it to sound like I don't like Trey Thomas. I love Trey Thomas. I just disagree with this particular take. Go ahead, Andrew. No, I'm not saying I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying I wouldn't expect him to call Peters out like that um, in, in front of the media. Um, but no, I, I, obviously I think the left tackle, especially with Wappy and Wentz's blind side, is obviously a more important position than the right guard spot for the Eagles. Uh, that I'm just going to play devil's advocate. I think that's where he's coming from, and that's why he's doing that. Does he have any business demanding that or whatever no because as you guys mentioned he's been hurt non-stop these last couple of years so you can't even rely on him maybe if he never gets hurt and you know he'll be out there every snap or the majority of the snaps yeah maybe you'll have a point but i mean five snaps into the game if you get there he might not even be out there we don't we don't know if he'll still be out there or not um he's 38 so, so yeah so i don't 38 
And that's yeah. the other funny thing is he, he all last year and at the end of, he talked about how much of a team guy he was and and that's yeah. all we hear in the and pay cut and, and he was willing to take a pay cut for the Eagles and everything and and then this comes out which it's just surprising it honestly surprised me because he did seem like a class act and everything and I mean all the stuff you thought was true and then yeah he demands that which is weird um, especially because he knows what the Eagles situation is as a veteran he knows that the Eagles are already up against the cap a little bit and it, I don't know that I don't yeah. it, it's but at this point, again, he knows the situation, so he knows how desperate the Eagles are. He knows the Eagles can't afford to lose right, him right taking, now. He's trying, and, so, that, and then that's the other thing here. So, like, the Eagles, like, if they don't give him more money, is he going to walk? Like, is that really – is he – like, do you actually see, uh, think he's going to walk? No, I, no, I, I can't miss will, you if you don't leave. Think, <laughs> well, think, that, there's that too, Nick. No, I don't I, think he will, and I think that's the Eagles' counterpiece right there. Right, is, he's bluffing. You were just, he has you, to you be were, bluffing. You were just a free agency for how many months and not, and you had about one call outside of us. So where are you going to go if you don't, if we, if you leave us? Exactly. I don't think he doesn't have any leverage at this point. He's just playing. He's trying to play poker, and uh, like you said, Zach, he's bluffing. And I, I, I think the Eagles got too many smart, uh, smart pieces in that front office to buy into it. I hope um, so, and, man. Because if it's that's so and honestly, if that's the case, if I'm the Eagles, I'm just saying, okay, you're staying at right guard. We'll we'll put somebody else left. I back, agree. And you just that's keep the contract. Point. That's another great point. That's a great yeah, point. I guess it's a uh, next man up as long as you get a little extra cash, you know. That, that's <laughs> that a, next like man a, up mentality is out the window. It's next man up if I get a little extra something. All it's right? next man up if he's otherwise, the one getting hurt. If he's the one getting hurt and replaced. <laughs> but it's just it's such a terrible mentality. Like I know we're joking around, but it's such a like like it's horrible. That's a horrible it's, player mentality. You're gonna make every player for, look terrible. Even the veteran of your team, who's you know a hall of famer, who everyone looks up to, who, who's you know got the spotlight on him for the past like five, ten years on the team. Uh, you know they carrying his jersey out in the Super Bowl because he couldn't make. He wasn't. He was injured for it. Like like he's beloved in Philadelphia. And this is the move you're going to make as the veteran of, of this team? That, think about it. This is probably his last season. This is how he's going to be remembered as the Eagles. He's going to be remembered as the guy who <laughs> tried to sit out because he wanted extra money when he got promoted. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I don't know if I go that far, but he's all say. Like, he's, he's the quote-unquote, he's supposed to be the, the, the teacher for Andre Dillard. Like, what are you teaching him right now? To demand more money? <laughs> like, Yeah, I agree. I, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't even have, I don't have anything to say about Diller, but I mean, God, talk about disappointment right now. Yeah, it's just supposed to be his proving year. I mean, you don't know what you, you have out of him the last couple of years, and this was supposed to be the year he takes over left tackle, and now he's done for the whole season. Uh, I was I didn't realize how serious that injury was. I didn't realize it'd be a full on season when I first saw it because they said he left practice with like a, a bicep injury. So I thought you know maybe the first couple weeks of the season. So I was kind of, I was a little surprised when it was the full season. Uh, anything else on Peters, or can I go to the next injury? You can go to the next injury right. because the next one, I, I is is uh, Peters is to me angering. Like that's an angering like whole the whole situation. Uh, the next one is more upsetting along the lines of because like like Dillard, uh, and that's that Jalen Rager's hurt, right? Like uh, Jalen Rager is going to be out at least for the first week of the season. And, and like, talk about another disappointment, right? Like, our big wide receiver grab, right? Gone. 
Hey, I mean, I told you guys right out of the gate. He was injury prone. He's too small. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. Uh, no, this is really disappointing. And I feel bad for him. You know, he's right now just missing game one, right? It hasn't been extended past that. Correct. correct? That's the only it's a three, confirmation. It's a three so, I mean, it's a bummer for him. I hope he comes back quick because I, I feel for him because I, I forget who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody. He's got so much pressure on him this year, and I feel bad for him because he's in a situation where he needs to have a fantastic year uh, in order for the fans to like not go nuts over him, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Because if he has a year like... Uh, um, you know, any of our other wide receivers that we drafted in the past 10 years had in their first season, I just think the fans aren't going to, aren't going to, it's not going to cut it for the fans here. And I don't think that's fair, but I think it's just the truth. And I think this is a bad way to start it. And I really feel bad for him. I hope he comes back quick. And I I still think, I don't know the seriousness of the injury, but I I hope that in four weeks he'll be back and, and he'll be able to play and it'll be fine. Uh, I, they said he tore his labrum, which is in your shoulder cuff. I think. Um, so I, I don't know. To me, like I'm just uh, to me as a nothing but a fan. I'm sitting here and I'm having like flashbacks to literally last year with Deshaun Jackson. Right, like we just lost our wide receiver last year. That was the whole issue. That's why we got a new receiver, and now our receivers hurt. Our our new receivers are already hurt, and it's uh, like. It's just, it's just. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, uh, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I was kind of getting excited for the season, and we have so many injuries right now. Like every year, every year since the Super Bowl. Oh, we're injuries. Oh, we're not full capacity because of the injuries. Oh, we're not a Super Bowl team because of the injuries. It's like, well, you know what? Like, what are we doing wrong? And that I might have let off a little steam with that one. I'm sorry, we, but like I got it's pretty. Just, it's pretty simple. We let Nick Foles go. You know, if he was here, we would would have been fine. You know, <laughs> joking. That was a joke, everybody. That, that, that Please do not turn off the podcast. That, that was a joke. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. They're already down. Uh, we're 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 already down three possible four uh, offensive weapons on opening day. Um. It's not a good start to the season already. Uh, luckily, you start out with Washington, so I mean, I think you can get away with that that game. Uh, we'll see how many you can moving forward. But I mean, Rager's already going to be out for opening day. Perkins is already out for opening day. Sanders is questionable. He's dealing with uh, lower body injuries as well. Uh, so another offensive weapon there. Alshon Jeffrey's already going to be out for the first game. So I mean, you're already He's still on the team. I, honest to God, might not have known that. <laughs> I think I've made that joke every time his name has been brought up since last week. Uh, but then, obviously, you're down Brandon Brooks, you're down Andre Dillard, so you're already possibly missing six or seven pieces on opening day. Um, I'm not worried about Wentz. I, I think uh, that was just a precautionary reason uh, with how many offensive linemen were out. Uh, apparently, I was reading a lot of tweets from Zach Berman and a lot of the other um, beat writers for the Eagles the offensive line just looked terrible today, and uh, Nate Sudfield was getting crushed, uh, like sack after sack. Um, so I, I think that was more just precautionary reasoning um, on what was going to happen. And, and and the Jalen Rager is just unfortunate because it was a Nate Sudfield interception I heard at practice because they were scrimmaging, and Jalen Rager was just trying to go all out at practice, and he hurts his arm trying to make a tackle, uh, it, or the yeah, the shoulder injury hurt, happens, make trying to make a tackle off an interception during the scrimmage, and it's just. 
I mean, there's nothing you can do to avoid that. He's just putting the effort out of practice. So it's just unfortunate to see for a young rookie like that who's trying to do a prove-me here. One last question for everyone before we get off the Eagles, um, and that is a pretty pretty general, not-too-serious question, but it's been confirmed that the stadiums are going to be uh, up to, I forget if it was the state or the owners, but regardless, it's different stadium to stadium, whether or not there's fans, and confirmed for at least the start of the season, the link will not be open to the fans. Do you guys think this affects the Eagles playing? Luke, any thoughts? Uh, I would say no. Um, I know Panther. So confirmed, Luke thinks the Eagles have no positive impact on the Philadelphia Eagles. I was about to say the complete opposite. But anyway, um, I just think, I mean, I think it depends on, like, the rest of the division. Just because, like, say, New York. Like, I have no idea which uh, team I don't know anyone can go. So, like, say, I'm going to just say Dallas. Cause Actually, I think big that Dallas is the one I know confirmed that will have fans. I apologize. Because then that, I think, I think away yeah, games will Texas. affect us more than home games. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I wasn't sure if I was. Uh, well, um, I don't but... think any Texans are listening to this podcast. <laughs> and even if, if they, they are, are, I'm s- sorry? Bummer. <laughs> um, no, but I think away games affect more than home games because I think just going from playing in an empty stadium to going to play at a stadium with fans, I think that's just going to kind of be like, because you're essentially just playing away games the entire year. I mean, yeah, yeah you don't have to travel like to go to the link, but I mean, you're not going to have that home field advantage this year. And I, I just, I think it will, but I, so I think home, home games won't be affected, but I think away games will to the stand, to the games that are uh, fans are allowed. I just don't think fans have that big of an impact Luke, unless it's playoffs. Great point. See, I, I want to take the opposite uh, point on this one. Um, I, I think it does. I think it'll have a bigger impact at home because I think, I mean, I know going on through the season, the tough season we had last year, we talked about it day in and day out how much this defense and how much the team drove off the fans because they loved that energy. They played for the fans, and we saw it when the Eagles would go away from the link, and we saw how much the team would kind of change and stuff. And I know when the schedule first came out, we all talked about how important it was that every single or most of the big games this year the Eagles had were home, and we would have that advantage to try to steal some of these games against the tougher teams at home. Luckily for right now, you're only looking probably at the first game or two. We'll see what kind of adjustments, whether fans can go past then. But if you're looking at the majority of the year or something without the fans, I think this could hurt the Eagles in a, in a significant way just because, again, we mentioned how important the home field games were against teams like the Rams, the Ravens, uh, the Seahawks, the Saints, and you can keep going with those tough teams. Uh, so I, I'd say in a way, I, I think it does impact this uh, Eagles team. I kind of see both of your takes on this, and I think both of you bring up uh, good points. But I, I, I think no one's going to know. I think it's going to be a true just experiment, and we'll see what happens. And I think it's almost impossible to guess. My hunch is that based on playing Luke in Madden and him using the <laughs> fan uh, noise to literally make me lose the crowd, the crowd noise effect. Yeah, make me ice lose. the kicker. To ice, ice the, the kicker. kicker. I mean, if that's anything to me, then I think that the crowd does have an impact. At least in Madden, <laughs> it does. And I'll never let that go because I should have won the game. <laughs> but besides that, I actually do my hunch. If I had to lean one way, I would say that uh, the, the, the Eagles will miss the fans at home because I do believe the fans block 
hear the hearing and the quarterbacks and, 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 you know, uh, the, the play calling, they, they have an effect on that. I mean, everyone kind of says that, 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 that is the case when they come to Philly. So I, I think it's a bigger problem because you, you, you lose that at home, but then you go to the Cowboys and you're going to play with the Cowboys fans there. See, I, I was really disappointed that the NFL stuck with this decision and, and I get it. I don't get it. I, I think it's a dumb decision, but I, 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 I mean, it's pretty obvious why. It's all about money. They're, they're going to make money. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that there's some kind of revenue split within fan, like within ticket sales in the NFL. So like the there's... Cowboys making money off of the fans, actually the Eagles will make money off of the Cowboys fans as well, because there's some kind of revenue split that allows all the teams to get a little piece of that pot. I think someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Are you saying like but, when they play each other or every team, every game, everywhere? I think it's like a collect revenue pot of how huh. many ticket sales. And then that's divvied just, up by teams. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I no, do believe. No, that's like now that. fact. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't remember. The, I don't remember the percentage, but no, yeah, it's distributed between the teams at the end of the year. You're but right. my point is, so, so, my my point is, I, it's just disappointing to see the, the the NFL be the only professional sports league to go with that decision. Um, and, and I, I do think it's kind of unfair. I, I I'm not gonna be crying saying the Cowboys won because they had fans in their stadium and we didn't. I, no, but I I do think it's a, a kind of ridiculous and unfair. But, I do think more oh, than well. even being ridiculous. I not. If, affecting wins like i agree nick i'm not going to complain like crying it up but i'm just going to agree with i think it was a stupid decision that they allowed fans in any stadiums so anyway moving on to what i would usually say is saving best for last i mean it's the thing happening right now we're not all feeling like it's the best right now because unfortunately they're not in the lead but let's talk about the flyers the flyers currently losing the islanders leading two to one in this series uh round two of the playoffs um all right so we got we have game four tonight uh so we are actually hoping to get a post-game reaction we'll we'll try and edit that in but how do you guys feel going into game four and the series as a whole because from my point of view uh i again as someone who's just casually tipping their toe in the water that is the flyers i feel like this could go all the way to game seven uh you know if you're trying to be an optimistic flyers fan i feel like it's going all the way to game seven um last night did not leave many of us optimistic so go ahead Luke. you got it i was just gonna say there's not many teams that i'm truly confident coming off a loss but this flyers team i know that stat's been out there for so long though nick i'm not sure if you know the exact date but we haven't lost back-to-back since January 8th or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think this team rallies with Elaine, and I think he gets this team fired up after a loss, and uh, the top line knows they need to play better. We've heard it throughout the whole playoffs, and I think Claude Giroux is going to hopefully come out and start shooting the puck a little bit more and stop giving up some some shots. Um, But, I mean, tonight's a huge game, and I truly – I, I'm not going to say we're definitely going to win. I'm not going to say we will win, but I, I am not completely nervous. Is how I'll put it. <laughs> I I agree, Luke. That's kind of how I feel. I'm not I'm not nervous yet because of the fact that the Flyers have been so resilient this season. Now it is concerning 
some aspects of the game last night concerned me coming off of the win the Flyers had. So the Flyers going out, starting off game, what was that, game three, three nothing, and then blowing me the lead and having to win. That was game three. No, we're, no it was that, game two. Game, Sorry, yes. Yeah. Sorry, game two. Uh, blowing the 3 nothing lead in game two, you know, allowing the Islanders to come all the way back, tie the game, and then the Flyers have to win it in overtime. What, what, the defeating what, loss for the Islanders. Correct, but what's con- what concerns me about that is the Flyers basically did the same thing to a lesser extent in, in game three, uh, in the game yesterday on Saturday. They came out. They looked great in the first period. They're up one nothing. Which, by the way, in the bubble, the Flyers scoring first up until last up until yesterday were undefeated. So honestly, I with this team, we scored one nothing. I was like, we won. We're gonna win this game. And then they came out the second period and looked horrible. And they looked terrible top down. I am. I've been praising Carter Hart like from top to bottom about his game the entire bubble and beyond and earlier than that when it was when andrew and i were doing the podcast in january or before the pause and play but even carter hart has looked off these last couple games and i'm not not gonna say i'm concerned but andrew for the first time i was like huh like i said if if carter hart was looking shaky i would consider the elliot move on a back-to-back and i would have considered playing elliot in in the game sunday night uh because of Carter Hart's shakiness in the last two games. And I I, I don't want to hit the panic button because I love Hart. I think he's a terrific player. I still believe he's the best player on this team. But some of those goals, you got to stop. You know, the one that went, the one that, uh, basically two of them, like just snuck by him. Like like he caught it and it just trickled in. You can't have that in the playoffs. I, you know, and, and it's, it's funny because it goes back, it's kind of, it goes back to my point I made when the playoffs were first started, and I said, if the Flyers are going to make a run, Carter Hart has to be perfect. He has to be perfection because this team isn't going to score a lot of goals. So Carter Hart, I, I mean, I remember Andrew, I remember you laughing. Carter Hart's going to have to get a shutout every now and then. Like, he has to get a shutout for this team to win. And last night would have been the game he needed to get a shutout to win. Now, I'm not going to say Carter Hart failed the team because <laughs> he didn't get a shutout. But if, if we're putting these huge expectations on the team, I, I think you have to put a huge ex- expectations on Carter Hart and and I I truly believe this team's gonna either win or lose on the back of back of him. Uh, real quick, uh, Andrew, before you go, sorry. I mean, I think Carter Hart's also been left to dry on a lot of these goals. I think we turned. I mean, I remember too vividly we turned it over in our end, and uh, one of the Islanders played a wide open shot right in front of Hart. I mean. I just think the defense also needs to pick it up, and I think we got to stop turning the puck over in our own end, and that seems to be happening a lot recently. Um, and then also, our offense apparently only plays in the first period this series, as we just haven't scored a goal in the second or third in in the, through the first three games, which is just mind blowing. Because I mean, usually if you, I, I I mean that I guess also you could say that's the how the Flyers play though. I mean, once we go up in the lead, we try and just limit in mid ice, but. We got to start playing three periods of hockey and not just one. Totally agree. I uh, I think there is room for concern. I, I understand the stat of back-to-back games, but let's face it. The Flyers haven't looked good uh, in the Canadian series and this series. I mentioned it last, last, uh, last time out last Sunday. There were some games in that Canadian series where we didn't look good. We found a way to win because... 
because uh, the Canadians, I mean, let's face it, the Canadians had a losing record coming in the year. They, they got lucky of the expansion in the playoffs, and then they stole the series against the Penguins. And now you're facing a similar team, but a lot better team than that Canadians team was. And you're really facing the um, pinpoints here at the series, and that's why you found yourself down 2-1. I love Drew, and oh, I've always defended him. But I think it's time to, to, to kind of call out. Where where is he? Like I mean, Drew in Drew's last twenty five playoff games has a negative twelve point differential, has one goal and only nine assists. I mean, you need more than that from your best player. Um, and same same with Travis Konechny. He hasn't scored yet since since uh, in the playoffs. Uh, arguably the two best players of the regular season have not been performing at their level or even honestly clo- close to what they were in the regular season. And, and you need, obviously, especially TK. I mean, he had a phenomenal season, was your best player throughout the whole season. And now he's really, really struggling uh, to find his rhythm here in this playoff so far. And if if it, if it wasn't your main guys struggling, then yeah, we could talk about maybe being less less worried or whatever. But Here's my other concern is, Luke, I mean, you mentioned it with not having offense outside that first period. We saw in the Canadian series, too, they took advantage of that second period. And I love what AV's done this uh, season, obviously, but he's getting outcoached right now. He's he's coming in with a clear game plan, and the game plan starts out well, but he's getting outcoached in-game. Uh, the adjustments haven't been there yet um, from him against uh, – I'm blank on who the Islanders' coach is, coach is but um, – the Islanders are making the adjustments they have to in game, and that's what we're seeing. I think is a big thing in the in the difference of uh, these first three games. So, am I going to sit here and say we have no chance to win and it's panic panic time? No, but I think uh, I am a little worried about about what's going to come. And I think to, I think this game four is basically a series. I don't think you can go down three one against this Islanders team. I think tonight's a must win game. Yeah, obviously Drew's got to step up his game. Everyone on the team needs to step up the game. The front lines, the top line's been terrible. You know, like you said, TK has been not been nowhere. You know, uh, our goal scorers have been non-existent. But here's the here's the bottom line with Drew. He has never been a goal scorer ever in his career. So this unnecessary expectation that come playoffs, all of a sudden he's going to be putting pucks in the net and getting goals every game is just it's just that it's an unrealistic expectation. What Drew does is he goes on the ice and he and he and he starts making plays all the time. And he even in this playoff series, he's set up. Countless goals. He, you know, he, 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 he puts the puck in position for the, 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 the play to begin, and, and, and I think that's his, his game has been so undervalued in Philadelphia, and I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing fans constantly knock Giroux for not scoring goals in the playoffs. He doesn't score goals. He's not a goal scorer. That's not his game, right? He, so, so why all of a sudden in the playoffs is he going to be putting up a, a goal every night? I, I just don't I, – I never like that take because he brings so much more to the game than you can see. In hockey, there's there's not as many stats on a, on a stat sheet that you can show like in baseball, right? You can't – you're not going to be like, oh, he's batting, blah, 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 you know, he's got blah, blah, home runs. You know, it's basically goals and assists and then plus minus, right? So it's, it's it, to me, it, it just doesn't make sense to just sit there and go, he – Giroux is playing terrible this season, this 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 playoffs because he's not he's he's setting up big time plays to happen he's putting the puck in position to get goals and that's exactly what's happening it's it's the entire team needs to step it up it's not just Giroux and 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 like I said he's not just all of a sudden going to start scoring goals and I and it's it's so irritating because I look at the fan base and 
you know, I read the comments on Twitter and everything, and it sounds like fans are rooting for for him to fail because they just want to stick with that narrative that they say every single playoffs that Giroux is not going to – that Giroux doesn't score in the, in the playoffs. I, 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 it's just a take that I've never agreed with. It's always been annoying, and it's just part of – People have just been knocking Giroux since he's gotten here. And, I, and I've and i said this before. I think he's the most underappreciated Philadelphia athlete of the past, since the 2000s. Like, and then like, Zach like, He's so underappreciated. He's way more underappreciated than Zach Ertz. I, uh, Zach, Zach Ertz is on all the time. Yeah, but I, I've, sure. But, but when the Super Bowl year, he was pretty beloved. I mean, nonstop. And I, I think people love Zach Ertz. I would I, never in a million I, years I, say Zach Ertz is unappreciated. I constantly, nonstop, hear people all the time rip Giroux. Constantly. They want to get rid of him. He's not good enough. He's, he's you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just, he's such a good hockey player, and he's been such a great player for us that I just can't stand the take of, you know, he, he's such a, he's just bad in the playoffs. I just, it, I, know, I know you did say, Andrew, that, like, TK needs to step it up and other guys on the team need to step it up. But that's my no. whole point. Is it I, not I, this isn't a Giroud problem. This team it, is not, you know, they, they, this team needs to step it up. And, you know, I just want to defend G there because I agree. Ah, he gets, we talked about this before, much. but this year he's not – this year is not his best playoffs. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's been there fully this this playoffs, meaning, I mean, obviously his effort and stuff's there, but I don't think he, he has looked as good as he has in previous playoffs. Like, I don't think he's setting up players like he has in previous times. Like, I've been defending him all the time as well. We've been on other podcasts defending him before, and I was right there with you. I just think this, in this series uh, especially, I think between him and TK, you can't have those two performing this this low right now. All um, right, so going I, into next week's podcast episode, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the series should be over, right? By next Sunday, shouldn't the series have all... The uh, game seven should be sometime during the week this coming week. I know game so game four is today. Uh, game five is scheduled for I believe Tuesday. Um, so I would assume seven is going to happen before next Sunday when we record. Yeah. So that being said, just kind of like last couple sentences from everyone: yes or no? Do you expect the Flyers to win this series? Flyers and six. Sticking with it. Flyers and uh, seven. We win game six and seven, and tonight. I would say Flyers and seven. All right. Well, if we record tonight post-game, we're going to edit in right now and throw you some brief thoughts on the Flyers uh, here. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're here to recap this tough Flyers loss, uh, three to two to the Islanders, now down three to one in the series. I'm here with Luke. Luke, what's your just first overall uh, thoughts on this uh, tough break or heartbreaking game? Uh, it was a tough loss. Um, you could tell they were they put it all out there. Um, you know, uh, they left Moose to drive for that first goal, and that's going to stand out for me. Um, turnovers in our own end keep standing out to me, and they're leaving the goalies in a bad spot. Defense got to clean it up, and uh, you had Coots with a beautiful. Uh, a tap in goal and then like and then we give up a goal in the third and it's going to be hard to try and come back against this islanders as they just keep you in that mid ice and now we're down 3-1 and we're playing for our lives 
I agree with you completely. Uh, defense definitely lacked that many different times tonight. Left Moose uh, out there, especially on that one. You, you turn it over, uh, and then the Islanders kind of just had him beat on that. I mean, honestly, I thought all three he was kind of left out to dry. Um, yeah, that second goal, he was left out to dry, but he had to save that one. It was a bad defensive play, but he also needed to save it. I absolutely kind of trickled through his legs there. Um but that a tough break. I thought if we want to start with that first period, we came out pretty fast and aggressive, and it kind of just looked like, I don't know if they just used it all in that first period, but it seemed like throughout the game they kind of just slowed down and got a little sluggish there. And I think you mentioned it, the puck control and the turnovers, and I think it's something that they've not only had issues with tonight, but it's been an issue all game, or excuse me, all series. Um, but uh, I thought that first period overall wasn't bad. They just couldn't find a way to get anything going uh chance-wise, to capitalize on any chances. Yeah, I completely agree. We, Like you said, we got out, we went out and started playing fast. Uh, we had the first five shots of the game, but then in the, toward the end of the first, they, the shots on goal was 14-2, to two, I believe, in the first after the first five shots by us. So um, it seems to be the thing with this series is we can't play full periods. Um, that's the Islanders' play. Like, we got to give them credit. They will try and force turnovers and they'll keep the puck in your own end and and their forwards are hot right now brock Nelson with the goal um the, the, i know that's in the second period but the first period was just it was it was a uh, fast pace the first period was very chippy too there was a lot of pushing and shoving with tk kevin hayes um a lot of going after the after the whistle um and i liked our odds and i thought we were playing to our advantage but i guess I guess it didn't work. <laughs> um, I'm interested to see what your take is on this. I feel like clearly, obviously, rightfully so, when it, it gets chippy like that, uh, some players get frustrated. You mentioned it. They kept kind of pushing after uh, TK and at times Drew and everything. Uh, but it seems like the Flyers at times let the frustration get to them and it really impacts the way they play. I feel like they let the frustration bother them a little too much and it kind of carries over and affects and, and kind of leads to some of these issues. I mean, well, I, I, do you think that it's the same way with that frustration, or do you think I'm kind of overreacting that spot? Um, I mean, you could be right because I mean, TK was definitely not himself today. He had a he had a chance for goal. I want to say it was the third period. It was a rebound, and he went to shoot it, and he missed wide. Um, Giroux is definitely. I mean, I know that has nothing to do with fighting, but Giroux is frustrated. You can see it with all these chances. I think I remember at least two. He had that one where he was diving and barely hit the goalie's glove. Um, he had one in the second period, another chance, and he threw his hands up. Like, he just doesn't know what else he can do. Drew is definitely in his head right now, and he wants to buy a goal. Um, Hayes is Hayes, – that's Hayes. He's always going to be physical. But, I mean, I just want that top line to start producing. But I would I would say, yes, that they definitely are in their own heads. Or when they get physical, they get in their own heads. I think that's one of the biggest issues here is that top line. You're not getting much production from tonight overall. They came out firing, and they had a lot of different chances. They, um, they're they right there. They're, they were stepping on. They were right on, along the doorstep, just couldn't get across it and take it to any of the chances. But, yeah, and, and after the first period, you're stuck at a 0-0 game. And then to start that second period, I thought that sluggish end of the period kind of carried over into that second, leading to that Islanders' first goal before the Flyers finally capitalized with one of their own kind of tie it so i don't know it just seems like they're not playing a full game and they just go through sparks throughout the game that really 
uh, keep them in these games. And then at times they kind of just get let down uh, in other spots, creating just uh, multiple different issues. And it's just, it's very odd to see because it's not something you've seen from this team all year. Like you've seen complete 60 minute games. So I just, to me, it's a game of adjustments and we're just not adjusting well uh, throughout the periods. I, yeah, I completely agree. And that goal by uh, Brock Nelson was, was awful because I mean, we gave the puck away twice in that one possession. Um, I forget the exact line. I think it was the Scott Lawton. Um, yeah. Uh, that line, right? That was the line, right? They gave it away yeah, once. They gave, and then they gave they, two tonight. Yeah, they gave up. They, I believe, I, they, and uh, Elaine rewarded them because they had a good line right before that. So he, he decided it went to commercial break and he kept them out there to keep playing. And then they gave the puck away twice and it led to a, uh, Nelson had a wide open. Uh, net just or he, not wide open net, but he's all by himself in the middle of the ice, and he picked the top left and sniped it. And we can't blame Moose on that. There's just nothing he can do there. Um, but yeah, but then, like you said, then we got a goal in ourselves, and that was just absolutely beautiful goal by Coots. I mean, that tip was just insane. Just, I mean, that's just skill, and that was just. One of the be- <laughs> that's probably one of our best goals this playoffs. Like me and my roommate just was in love with that goal. <laughs> oh, yeah, and you have to be because it was that good, and that's something that they continue to try. You notice that they try to redirect a lot of the shots. That one was very well done. At other times, they can't get anything going. But you mentioned it. Goots gets that goal, evens it up at one, takes us into the second intermission, and this is where you really thought I thought at least they come out better in the third period, knowing what's at stake how well they have been in bounce back games. But today, honestly, well, honestly, they came out in good spirit in that third, got off to a fast start, had multiple different chances. And I think that's what led. I know we both agree that uh, Elliot should have stopped that second goal. I mean, as he did let it trickle by, but after multiple great saves by, um, I'm blank on who the Islanders goalie was tonight. Cause it wasn't their number. Grace. Uh, Grace. Yeah. Grace. He uh, made some great saves down there on their end of the ice. And to me, it kind of, again, you just saw a build within the Flyers team. They couldn't get anything past him in that third period to start after three or four great chances. And that one save kind of led to that redirection pass there to get the Islanders out on the break before trickling that goal. Um, So overall, to start that period, I thought the Flyers came out well, just couldn't buy anything to save save this team. And and it just led to that unfortunate events there for back-to-back goals from – Pegu and then Nelson. Yeah, it's just that second goal was just demoralizing just because, like you said, we, we, were, we were pushing the puck. We had many chances. The one that sticks out is the G1 um, where he's pushes by in line and dies <laughs> to try and get the puck in the net. And the goalie makes a good save. Um, and then I want to say it was not too long after then it was that soccer kick from the one Islanders right to across the ice. And it led to the two on one. And, just a beautiful play by the Islanders, and uh, just that put. Or then that led to the the third goal. I believe that was the third goal. So then that was three one, and that was just heartbreaking because, well, uh, with I think it was like seven minutes left. I don't know about you, but I did not have a lot of faith in the Flyers scoring two goals in seven minutes against the Islanders. Nah, I thought this was serious. Is going. I, I'm with you. Once they hit 3 1, I was like, all right, this one's going to be tough to come back from. Obviously, the Flyers end up getting another one from Provorov late in the game. I think with about a minute five left, I believe it was, uh, with the extra man on the ice, they had uh, Elliot pulled. 
you get the three to two, but ultimately that's uh, that's it. Um, I think today was a story of missed opportunities on the offensive end, a lot of different chances, uh, and then defensively, a lot of different breakdowns, bad puck control leading to turnovers, and then eventually leading to those goals for the Islanders. Uh, but I think before we kind of close this one up, I think the question here is, did you agree with Elliot starting this one, uh, coming off the back-to-back? Hart obviously struggled a little bit last game. Uh, even with a couple of defensive breakdowns, I think we all agreed earlier tonight that uh, overall that wasn't Hart's best game. Would you have rode with Hart, or do you agree with AV's decision to, to play Elliott tonight? Uh, I think I would have rode with Hart just because, I mean, he's essentially one of your best players on the ice. And, I mean, I think he was – I think he, he is a great goalie. He's one of the best in the game. And I think with this big of a game to go from – Go down three one or tie it two two. I think you need to have one of your best players on the ice. Um, I understand that Elliot is a veteran and uh, he did play well versus the Capitals that one game, but I would have preferred to see Hart. But also, I thought Elliot had a great game. Um, he made exceptional saves. Uh, I think I only blame him for that one goal, and that I wouldn't even know if I would blame him because it was a. Uh, one on there was a breakaway, and there was no one. There was a one on nothing. Um, so I would have preferred Hart in there, but I don't think you can go. This is this game's on uh, Brian Elliott. I agree. I you can't solely blame it on him. I thought uh, defensively, there's a lot of areas to look at. Personally, I think uh, Niskanen has struggled a lot this series on the defensive end. I'm interested to see if. The Flyers make any uh, line moves again, whether they put uh, Ghost back in the lineup or Raffle back in the lineup, as we've seen them kind of float back and forth throughout the series and the playoffs. But we'll see what the decision comes Tuesday night. Uh, Flyers will look to save their, save their season. I don't know if you have any other final points to wrap up on tonight's game. I uh, just got to clean up the puck work. I mean, this defense needs to just stop these turnovers. It's really getting annoying to watch, and it's just happening over and over again. Um, but hopefully they come out firing. Hopefully G gets the, the line or the uh, Ross or the, my bad. <laughs> hopefully G gets the team <laughs> uh, fired up. Um, he seems to be a little motivated. He, I think he had five, six shots on goal. So he definitely came out trying his, trying to score. Uh, he had many chances. And I think obviously we're playing to stay alive. So hopefully this team can just bounce back. First two losses, first uh, back-to-back losses in a while. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what how the Flyers respond with their backs up against the wall. Um, this team has responded a lot throughout the season. Uh, are you sticking with Flyers in seven? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we can squeak out one and we don't lose four-one. But um, it's just going to be hard to win three straight against this Islanders team. So. I hear you. Um, yeah, a tough spot for the Flyers to be in. Obviously, we can go back to that uh, Stanley Cup run a while ago where they came back 3-0. So they've made they made the miracle comeback before. This one's 3-1. Hopefully it happens again. But again, uh, once again, the Flyers dropped tonight's matchup 3-2 against the Islanders. Um, in really tough hockey fashion, not the best game for the Flyers. They'll look to rebound Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, looking to save the season and extend it into another day. But this has been the Flyers recap for Philly Sports Now. 
Uh, for Andrew and Luke, thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we get the Flyers come back. Go Flyers. All right, and that's going to do it for Philly Sports Now this week. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening. Uh, this has been Philly Sports Now podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Philly underscore Sports Now. That's at Philly underscore Sports, S-P-R-T-S, now, sports without the O, folks. Uh, phillysportsnow.com for more Philly fan, Philadelphia sports loving. Uh, lastly, as always, thank you everyone for listening, and let's go Flyers. Go Flyers. <laughs>